Cutting the Curd has been brought to you by Academy Opus Cassius. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training in the heart of France. For more information, visit academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today my guest is Patrick Martins, founder of the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks for having me. And also my husband. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> um, so we're about uh, a week or two late for April Fool's Day, but I thought it would be a good idea to do um, sort of a, a little bit of a game show where uh, we talk about cheese in the news and, uh, you know, all of these headlines are going to be ridiculous. But the game basically is I'm going to tell Patrick a headline He's going to guess if it's true or false, and then we are going to uh, talk about it if it is if it is in fact real, um, because I found some really um, crazy things. Um, well, okay, so before we get into the game, um, I should start off by saying that this is this is absolutely true. April is grilled cheese month in the United States. Kind true. Of, kind of exciting, yeah. <laughs> and the April twelfth is grilled cheese day. False. That's true. <laughs> but so if anybody out there is looking for an excuse to eat lots of grilled cheese, um, this is the month to do it. And April 12th specifically, you know, just uh, just go nuts, eat lots of grilled cheese. Um, so actually, and this and this is true. I will I will say this right off the bat. This is, um, uh, you know, apropos to grilled cheese month um, at the South by Southwest Festival, which just wrapped up a week or two ago in Texas. Um, uh, Kobayashi, the famous food eater champion, um, ate the most grilled cheese sandwiches in one minute. Uh, he ate 13 grilled cheese sandwiches in one minute, which is pretty impressive. Um, he that, went nuts. Yeah. <laughs> he went nuts. Apparently, yeah, he hasn't been doing the Nathan's contest because of some contractual weirdness, but um, he's he's alive and well. Kobayashi actually, in rebellion to the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, performed here at Roberta's. Oh, you're right. Yeah, simultaneously. That's, that's amazing. I totally had forgotten about that. Roberta's is the, the epicenter. Of, of eating. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We're going nuts. <laughs> and we're sitting here looking at everyone eating right now. Cheeseburgers, pizzas. It's kind of it's kind of tough to be on this side of the wall. Um, but uh, all right. So without further ado, let's uh, let's start with the headlines game. Um, <clears throat> all right, you ready, Patrick? Do we have a sound effect, uh, Joe, that you're going to play? Uh, Maybe for a winner versus a loser. Or all right. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So headline number one: True or false? New Jersey man arrested with at a rest stop with two hundred thousand dollars worth of stolen Munster hidden in the back of his tractor trailer 200 god what does that cost a pound 
How many could you fit in the trailer? I would say false. That is true. What? <laughs> yep. On April 2nd in the New York Post, they have uh, in the New York Post, God bless them, the, you know, real just leaders in, in important news it says it's not easy being this cheesy cops arrested a man at a new jersey rest stop with two hundred thousand dollars of stolen monster cheese hidden in the back of his tractor trailer the man who his name is Veniamin balika age 34 of illinois allegedly used forged papers to take forty-two thousand pounds of cheese from a wisconsin factory mm. yeah and then it's even more shocking since the company doesn't want the cheese back it will be donated to charity where was he going with it? <laughs> I have no idea. He was in New Jersey. Could have been going anywhere. <laughs> uh, um, so thank you, New York Post, for that one. That's pretty good. Um, all right. Headline number two, true or false. Frozen cheese discovered in ruins of Titanic. Impossible. Cheese cannot be frozen. It is false. It is false. Is that, is that the reason why? No, no, uh, cheese can be frozen. It's not. It's not very good when you defrost it. But my I grandma milk couldn't be frozen. It's not very good. Yeah, my grandma Therese, though, I know for a fact that she freezes cheese, so it can be done. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma Therese. <laughs> um, all right, headline number three: True or false? But wait, what happens when you freeze milk? Uh, when you freeze milk, well, it's funny. You can freeze sheep's milk for some reason because the uh, it's naturally homogenized and somehow the fat and water molecules are more or less the same size. But if you freeze cow's milk because the fat molecules are so much bigger than the water molecules, when you defrost it, it has this really gross, um, sandy consistency. Things like separate. It separates and literally tastes like, or it has a gritty texture in your mouth. Um yeah, our walk-in at the store froze one one weekend, and I went in there the next the next Monday to check on things, and I opened up a milk and tried it, and it was like it was really bad. So I had never tried it before that. Everyone was like, "Don't try to freeze milk," and now now I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so headline number three: Pizza Hut institutes new crazy cheese crust pizza, which is uh, a pizza crust made of little cheese stuffed bread bowls. Um, that's true because I have one being delivered to the radio station in like five minutes. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well done. You're doing. You're doing good. You're doing good. Um, I have a television. I've seen the cheese crust. Really? As I had never seen it before. I was, I, I was on my computer last night and I was just like, "What is this?" Well, someone uh, you know once told me, you know, there's always. A, there's never uh, enough cheese. I mean, people are always wanting cheese and everything. And like in America, that's like one of the biggest growing things. Not necessarily good cheese, just cheese. You put cheese in it. So they found another spot right next to already existing cheese, just in the crust part. Just in the crust part. Well, it's it's so silly. So you got to see a picture of this thing. We can probably find one and post it on the HRN website for this show. But um, it says the crazy cheese crust pizza isn't the first time Pizza Hut has incorporated cheese into the crusts. In 1995, um, they introduced their stuffed crust pizza as a limited time offer, but it was just such a hit that they soon became permanent part of the menu. Um, but so the cheese, the the crazy cheese crust pizza, it's like it, it looks a lot like um, <laughs> the the chain's crown crust pie that was introduced in the Middle East a year ago. Um, although that pie, instead of having little cheese in bread bowls, is surrounded by mini cheeseburgers. Mm. 
which is uh, pretty amazing. Mm. Um, and in Japan and uh, Thailand, Pizza Hut has, offer, has also offered pizzas with hot dog stuffed crusts. Too much. Too much. Yeah. And you're saying that people want to find a way to get more cheese, you know, into their diet. And the, the spokesperson for Pizza Hut, Doug Turfer, said that they chose not to make it an over-the-top indulgence because it would be more likely that people would buy the pies more repeatedly since it wasn't over-the-top. It's just more cheese in the crust. It's not hot dogs in the crust. Right. Yeah. Now, were they the ones that got money from the government to change their whole campaign? Was that Pizza Hut? Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I don't know the exact details of the story, but um, I do know that um, the government... Or was, was it Domino's? Oh, you know, it might have been Domino's. It was either Pizza Hut or Domino's. We'll have to do our research and, and get back to you guys. But at any rate, the government was acting as a marketing consultant and a pusher for government cheese at the same time. So, of course, they advised this pizza chain to put 30% more cheese into their pizzas, thereby, you know, selling more of their supply of bad government cheese and making Americans fatter all in one go. Why is the government making cheese? Well, it's like, uh, you know, the, the government sets the commodity milk price. And so if there's a surplus of milk, they'll turn it into cheese, which is more, uh, you know, shelf stable, and then just store it in these giant vaults mm -hmm. um, for sale, you know, at some future date, they'll, they'll just shred it up and put it on pizza. So it's their job to like move all this bad cheese that they've made when the when they produce too much milk. So it's like taking responsibility for the milk. I only know about government cheese from the Saturday Night Live, Chris Farley. <laughs> one where he's the motivational speaker skit and he's like and i go eat my government issued cheese down in a van by the river <laughs> that's awesome i always i remember down in the van by the river but i didn't know he was eating his government cheese mm -hmm. that's why i had to go apparently in your in this in the site where your meat shop currently is in the essex street market heritage meat shop for any of our listeners who haven't been there um, it was previously owned by a guy named Jeffrey Ruhalter, whose family had a business there for like 60 years. And um, they would they would have government cheese mm. and they would just like, I don't know, give it out or sell it for like a dollar a pound. All the people on the Lower East Side for like years and years. Is that cheese have any redeeming qualities? Probably not. I've never tried it, but I would imagine it's just kind of like really mild, you know, sort of waxy, plasticky cheddar. But we should get some and try it mm -hmm. and then, yeah, see if we, we know what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, crazy cheese crust pies. Those are real. And if you want to get one stuffed with cheeseburgers or hot dogs, <laughs> go to Japan. Apparently, they, they thought that that was a good idea to market that to people because they assumed that all of those foods are American, pizza, mm. hot dogs, and burgers. So they thought, you know, well, why not just combine them all into one food? Get them all in one. Yeah, yeah. Really good, good. Good marketing. Good deal. Um, all right. So next headline, true or false. <clears throat> Tennis star Novak Djokovic is, uh, in fact, his restaurants are behind the uh, marketing and sales of pool, which is a Serbian donkey cheese. False. Uh, Djokovic is lactose intolerant. <laughs> well, the article, it is true that there was an article about controversy, whether or not Djokovic was involved with this cheese or not. But it turns out that um, he does not, in fact, use this cheese in his restaurant. Donkey cheese. Do they even... Sounds like uh, 
Not the type of uh, liquid coming out of there that you would be thinking about. I mean, aren't donkeys males? They can be female donkeys? <laughs> they can be female donkeys, yeah. No, the, I think the mules are the ones that are sterile, so I don't know if they'd produce milk. But um, <laughs> yeah, donkeys, males, females, apparently in Serbia, uh, they, they do make a little bit of donkey cheese. Um, it says that the cheese it was, uh, it's produced on a lone farm in Zasavica, a nature reserve west of Belgrade. And uh, they're apparently making and marketing this cheese for a thousand euros per kilo, which would work out to about six hundred dollars per pound. Hmm. Um, and uh, according to this article, it says that at that price, it has inch past moose cheese to top the list of the world's most expensive cheeses. Why is that? Because they just don't produce much milk, so it's hard to make. They don't produce much milk, and I imagine, yeah, I imagine that it's just hard to milk a donkey and and the person who's doing it is obviously crazy also so they probably figure hey why don't i just charge a thousand euros per kilo (laughs) because i'm the only guy making donkey cheese what an ass (laughs) that was a good one (laughs) um but so what happened is apparently all these newspapers, they really, they wrote this story accusing Novak Djokovic of, of supporting and buying this cheese. And what had really happened was that um, Slobodan Simic, who is the farm's donkey breeder, had left a sample of the cheese with the manager of Mr. Djokovic's restaurant in Belgrade, offering to let him, you know, have it, have a go of putting it on their menu. What's wrong with selling that cheese? I mean, it seems like a local... You know, delicacy, no? I mean, is, it, is there something wrong with it? No, nothing's wrong with it. It's just, it wasn't, it's not like a traditional cheese. It's a mm. little bit more, it seems like it's a little bit more of a marketing gimmick. This, I see. This guy milking donkeys and the like nature Like breast reserve. milk cheese? Like breast milk cheese, exactly. Now, you were asked to be interviewed for that article and you said no. Yeah, they, when, uh, I think it was two, three years ago now, there was a New York City chef making cheese from the milk of his wife's breasts, which is... Yeah, terrible. Our son Max is here. He's commenting on it. He thinks it's a bad idea, too. That's terrible. That's terrible, as Charles Barkley would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, I, I declined to, to taste that on television because it just seemed too weird. Too weird for me. But um, this cheese uh, apparently was submitted for the first time um, to an international cheese show this past September. Um, and they call the cheese pool, which means foal in Serbo- Serbo-Croatian. Hmm. Um so yeah, they debuted it in September at this international cheese show in England, and um, a British guy tasted it, and they described it as not unlike a Spanish manchego, but with a fusty, musty flavor. Mm, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Watch out for those fusty, musty cheeses. Um, all right, well, you're doing really good. I'm really impressed. Your cheesy knowledge. Um, Thank we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue the true or false cheesy headline game. Stay with us. <laughs> You're listening to Sumatra by Cherry Holmes on the Heritage Radio Network.org. The Academy Opus Cassius is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering both practical and classroom training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. When you come to learn at the Academy, 
We instill our love for cheese, our expertise, and our experience so that you can support artisanal producers, impeccably care for the fine cheeses you carry, and serve your customers with skill and enthusiasm. We integrate hands-on practice, formal instruction, and classroom discussion in all of our courses. The Academy's programs are offered at the Mons Fromagerie in the heart of France, where cheese undergoes affinage and cheeses are received, prepared, and shipped. Several Mons retail shops are nearby. The surrounding countryside is the home to producers whose excellent cheeses are cared for by the Mons team. The Mons cheese business has more than 50 years experience caring for and teaching about cheese in France, a country known as the source of some of the world's greatest cheeses, deepest cheese tradition, and the highest level of technological research and rigor in cheese making and ripening. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as the first approved education center for those preparing for the certified cheese professional exam. Enroll now for Essential Foundations for Cheese Professionals or Affinage, the Art and Science of Maturing Cheese. For more information, visit at www.academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. Certified Cheese Professional is a registered trademark of the American Cheese Society. <laughs> that was Charles Barkley, everybody, <laughs> saying his signature line. It was terrible. Uh, but this is not a terrible show. This is a fun show today. Um, here on Cutting the Curd, we have Patrick Martins, founder of the network, and also happens to be my husband, who's uh, partaking in a game show that I've devised about um, calling out cheese headlines as true or false. Um, our son Max is here also, so he's going to be commentating at various intervals. And um, yeah, it's a family affair here at the Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> so Patrick, you're doing really well so far. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very impressed. I was afraid that I would be Joe. I was afraid that <laughs> things would be I don't know where this is terrible. Going. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> all right you're terrible um all right so cheese headline uh number whatever number we're on now <clears throat> mafia cheese ring found to be smuggling stolen goods and wheels of provolone true or false mafia said to be stealing what smuggling stolen goods in wheels of provolone now i'm trying to think if provolone that is a kind of soft textured cheese i What's- would say true False. Oh. I gotcha. Yes. But this this uh, false cheese headline was inspired by a story that um, my friend Rin Caputo told me from Caputo Brothers Creamery. Um, apparently, Italian Americans back in the um, in the fifties, sixties, seventies, it was legal for them to bring wheels of cheese back with them from Italy, but it was not legal for them to bring um, cured meats and salamis and things. So they would ask the local cheesemakers to wrap cheese around their giant salamis and so they would carry them in 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 wheels of cheese wow yeah pretty ingenious now i I wonder if people still do that i mean provolone it sounded like a cheese that you could actually get things into you could yeah it's like those huge long like cylinder shaped ones that just hang from the ceiling so even though there's never been a headline about it people probably have smuggled some ridiculous stuff so i could be right you could be right absolutely All right. Well, um, all right. On to the next one. What do we have here? What do we have here? Ooh, this is a this is a good one. True or false? Uh, Iowa man uses smartphone to milk cows. 
he wraps the phones around the other? <laughs> I don't know. I don't True understand the question. I would have to say false because I don't understand the question. <laughs> it's true. iPhones. <laughs> yeah, there are these robotic milking par- parlors now where a farmer can, the cows just bring themselves in to the milking parlor and they stand next to the machine and the machine figures out where the udders are and clamps on and milks them. So this farmer who's in the article, um, Mark Hosh of Round Hollow Farm, he can literally monitor his cows being milked or not via his via his cell phone at any oh, time. Oh, interesting. It's kind of weird. So it's kind of phasing out us needing to rely on farmers anymore. I know. Yeah, it's almost like yeah, as if, you know, there were the cows were responding to their calves whenever they felt like, you know, getting milked, they just, you know, Although then it's the reverse because the calves say, hey, I want some milk. Mm-hmm. And the mom responds. Here are the cows saying, hey, my udders hurt. <laughs> yeah. Milk me. <laughs> I'm swollen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so it's, uh, yeah, so typically his cows milk themselves three times a day. And uh, before when they would have to physically milk them, they would spend six hours milking them twice or two times mm-hmm. a day. Uh, six hours, you know, each time. So it's, uh, it's saving a lot of labor, but I don't know. It seems Her weird to me. And- uh, considered intelligent cows are i think i mean compared to like pigs and stuff i think not not as much but i think they are kind of just noble gentle beasts you know mm. except for bulls bulls can be kind of crazy yeah <clears throat> all right so you know if anyone's thinking of getting into dairy farming there's nap for that <laughs> <laughs> okay um true or false Let's see. Maryland woman suffering from hoarding compulsion found with over 10,000 pounds of rotting cheese in her house. 10,000 pounds. That's a lot of cheese. I would say true because there's a lot of hoarding shows on. It is false. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, even Max is going to get that one. (laughs) Um all right, so I, I just made that one up. I was thinking about the hoarding TV shows that we watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, you've been a tremendous guest. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, final headline, true or false? Cheese fire shuts tunnel in Norway. True. That is true. All right. Yeah, so this one, this one dates back to January 22nd of this year. Um, a truckload of burning cheese closed a road tunnel in Norway for six days. Um, some 26 tons of flaming brown cheese, or brunost, also known as yetost, which is a Norwegian cheese made from, uh, from whey, um, was, uh, was just consumed this, this tunnel for six days. Um, it says brunost is made from whey and contains up to 30% fat. And Vigo Berg, who's a local policeman, <laughs> says this high concentration of fat and sugar is almost like petrol if it gets hot enough. <laughs> so beware. Unbelievable. So that's a lot of cheese. That's too bad, huh? That's a lot of cheese that got lost. Absolutely. That's and like, it just kept burning, huh, with the high fat? Yeah. Yeah. And because it was in the tunnel and had, uh, you know, no oxygen in there to really, like, take care of it. It was just, uh, <laughs> it was just burning <laughs> for a couple of days. And so uh, who loses on that? I bet it's the trucking company, right? Probably the trucking company. Yeah, yeah. they'd probably be held, held responsible. Better them than anyone else. The farmer, or the poor little retail shop that was expecting it. Oh, my gosh. I know. That's so crazy. Well, Joe and I have a true-false for you. Oh, you do? All right. 
Cutting the Curd is the best cheese show on the Heritage Radio Network. True or false? True. True. <laughs> All right. If it was false, I'd have to I'd have to be sad because there's no other cheese show on the network that I know of anyways. So do you have any events or special cheeses at the uh, cave for cheese month? Um, well, grilled cheese month at the shop, we're featuring uh, a grilled cheese sandwich called the Pauli, which is um, Paulette cheese from Consider Bardwell Farm and Spicy Pickles, which is kind of like our original grilled cheese sandwich that we used at the Brooklyn Flea way back when. You helped out at the Brooklyn Flea one day. Once. Yeah, that was that was good. Um, and then we have a couple of other grilled cheeses on the menu, too. The Sale Pepe is one of my favorites. It's Salvatore Ricotta with honey, salt, and uh, and pepper. And you do have a woman who works with you named Pepe, right? Yeah, we do. We have a woman named Pepe. So, yeah, that's that's her that's her namesake. Um, but let's see, different events coming up. Um, we actually have an event coming up at Roberta's here on April 23rd with the National Resources Defense Council. Um, we're doing a little uh, a little cheese tasting and dinner with them, um, so you can find out more information. Um, you know, if you check out their website, NRDC, or also uh, Roberta's website, um, and we're going to put it in our newsletter in the next couple days. Mm. But uh, well, thank you, Patrick, for being a really uh, game guest. Thank you for having me. <laughs> and we'll have to we'll have to do this again. Another we'll have to wait for another, you know, year's worth of ridiculous cheese stories in the news and then and then do it again. I'll be back. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining us and we'll be back next week with another episode of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.